November 25th. Our scripture reading in the New Testament today will be from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. We'll go through chapter 4, verse 6. We'll read about life in the church. Imagine having to remind Christians to show one another love and courtesy. But as James chapter 4 shows us, not every local assembly is a place of peace. Not every local church is a place of safety and refuge. We'll read about being in the world. Anybody can suffer for doing wrong, but Christians must learn to suffer for doing what's right. Of course, Jesus is the example for us to follow. We witness not by making noise and fighting back, but by showing meekness and fear. A gentle witness can make a big difference in a violent world. Do not be controlled by the past. This is one of the lessons here in 1 Peter chapter 4. People who have been born again through faith in Christ should not allow the old life to control them. The past has been buried, and they are new creatures in Christ. Furthermore, life is too short to waste it on godless living, especially when you realize that one day we will all stand before God. And let's begin now our reading today in the New Testament. November 25th, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, through chapter 4, verse 6. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and He will bless you for it. But the Scriptures say, If you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, and keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be afraid and don't worry. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ also suffered when He died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but He died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And this is a picture of baptism which now saves you by the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. 
Baptism is not a removal of dirt from your body. It is an appeal to God from a clean conscience. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers are bowing before Him. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude He had and be ready to suffer too. For if you are willing to suffer for Christ, you have decided to stop sinning, and you won't spend the rest of your life chasing after evil desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are very surprised when you no longer join them in the wicked things they do, and they say evil things about you. But just remember that they will have to face God, who will judge every one, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached even to those who have died, so that although their bodies were punished with death, they could still live in the Spirit as God does. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. First John, the word love is used 46 times in that book. 27 of them are in the passage we just read. There's one basic message tonight from John, and it's this. Powerful, majestic being in 
existence cherishes you. He knows your name. But my guess is I say that, and most of us in this room, if not all of us, would say, I know. Like if I said, hey, did you know God loves you? You would go, yeah, I know. You'd get that right on a quiz. And yet John says, so we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. And then John gives us two attributes that characterize those who know and believe that they're loved by God. The first characteristic of those who know that they're loved by God is they are marked by a fearlessness. They're fearless. He says it in verse 18. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We know that we know we're loved if our lives are characterized by a fearlessness. We aren't worried. We don't fret. We're meant to have a wonderful confidence about us. And not only that, not only are we fearless, we're also free to love others which is in a lot of places, but I'll just read verse seven. He says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Notice he gives a command, love one another. And then he goes on, but he doesn't give an implication if you don't. He doesn't say love one another or else you're not gonna go to heaven. He doesn't say love one another or else God is really gonna get mad. He doesn't point downstream. He says, love one another. Why, John? Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born from God. He points upstream. He doesn't say love one another or else you won't get X. He says love one another. Why? Because love is from God. And if you know God and are loved by God, the most natural thing to do is love. It's the most natural way to live life. Beloved, love is the most natural thing. Love embraced becomes love extended. That's the rhythm. Love can't sit still. You know love is there because love moves towards the beloved. That's what love does. It's inherent in its nature. It initiates. Love sends. And there's something else it does. Love sacrifices. It sacrifices. It will give of itself for the sake of the beloved. And love stays. Love stays. Love wants the presence of the beloved. And so it will stay even when the staying is hard. And for so many of us, God's love is there. You don't question it. Don't question it. He has declared it to you. You fight for it. And I promise you, as you peer into this, you will see it. He has come for me. He has sacrificed for me. He is staying with me all the way until he takes me home. I will grip onto this truth. I will grip onto him. I'll make war with any thought that says otherwise. And I will cling to my savior and celebrate him until the day I ride with him into the glorious sunrise because that's the promise he's given me. And you cling to the sun because he's declaring something tonight. He loves you. He loves you. Psalm 119, verses 65 through 80. The Word of God can encourage you in times of affliction, as we shall see as we read this psalm today. What life does to you depends upon what life finds in you. If the Word is in your mind and heart, affliction can bring out the best in you. If not, it may bring out the worst in you. 
the School of Suffering never graduates any students. So ask God to teach you the lessons He wants you to learn. Now God made you and knows best how you should manage your life. The Bible is His how-to-do-it manual for making life work successfully. It tells you how to use your body and mind, how to handle your time and money, and how to make right decisions. Obeying it can keep you from getting into trouble and hurting yourself and others. Do not wait until all else fails before you read the instructions. It may be too late and the price might be too high. Psalm 119, verses 65 through 80. You have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. You are good and do only good. Teach me your principles. Arrogant people have made up lies about me, but in truth I obey your commandments with all my heart. Their hearts are dull and stupid, but I delight in your law. The suffering you sent was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your principles. Your law is more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your decisions are fair. You disciplined me because I needed it. Now let your unfailing love comfort me, just as you promised me your servant. Surround me with your tender mercies, so I may live. For your law is my delight. Bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who lied about me. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commandments. Let me be reconciled with all who fear you and know your decrees. May I be blameless in keeping your principles. Then I will never have to be ashamed. Proverbs 28, verse 14. Blessed are those who have a tender conscience, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble.